Ooh, that one's going to be really close. I can tell. Everybody awesome. good? Good. We're all here? Yeah. Present. Present. Okay. All right. Well, let's start then. Let's start by welcoming listeners and who knows, who knows, boys, maybe even viewers, back into the not shed, into the actual homes of the shed dogs. KJ is in the shed, though, so we retain at least that part of our authenticity. Uh, the other parts, we're just in normal sort of urban dwellings. We're not, we're not those guys, really, you could argue. Yeah, a big wave to the camera. Uh, we should introduce ourselves to our listeners because many listeners will be wondering which of these devilishly handsome fellows is which. So start, boys. I'm RJ, and I'm just going to comment uh, for our, our watchers, the people who watch this on YouTube. I'm going to move my glasses so the ear things are really up high and looking dorky. And that's just to keep the reflection off the, the glass, just for you, special for you guys. So it's not because you have Republican sentiments, because I think that's how they all wear their glasses? It's is not that? that? Is that what they do? No, I made that up out of whole cloth because I thought it would annoy you. And I'm KJ in the shed. Hello out there in viewer land. <laughs> KJ in the shed, boy, and I'm PJ. I'm PJ in the basement apartment. The luxury basement apartment, let me just say. KJ, you're looking awesome with the uh, the your hair with the sunlight coming through your hair. It makes for a nice little corona. Nice. And I don't I don't mean that's not a play on our current. <laughs> oh situation come on, it sure anyway. is. It sure is. It looks very nice. Skin, I think you should it's, call your place garden level, not a basement suite. Oh, I could do that. Garden level suite is a nice option. Yeah. Nice option. Yeah. Also, Skin, I see that uh, you rented uh, an expensive bike just for the yeah. podcast. Hung it up yeah. behind you for <laughs> just for the set. Yeah. In our last episode, I mentioned that I had guys in lighting specialists to improve my uh, video presence. I had set dressers come as well. All this stuff that you see in behind me, it's available for rent. I hardly had to buy any of it. I've mostly just rented it from warehouses across town that stock sets. And this is my, uh, you know, late middle age guy set. It's supposed to look like I'm this guy. Of course I'm not. Of course, my place that I really live in, it's all white with mainly stainless steel. Very, very minimal. Uh, speakers are all recessed. Uh, everything is stainless. That's my new, real place. But I made this place look all cluttered with crap, like more like a late middle-aged normal guy. So, just for me, you uh, I'm in my office, and behind you can see a little bit of my lifestyle. Uh, you see a, a set of, of drawers up here. Oh, right there. These drawers. Each carefully labeled. In the bottom, we have our USB cables. <laughs> Next drawer up is audio. And yeah, so and, forth. And I can vouch... Just take it from me, it's endless. He could go on for probably, I'm going to say about an hour and 15 minutes listing the drawers, their contents, and, I will. and their location. <laughs> <laughs> Up here, you got our Make America Great Again hats. What a boy, RJ. And uh, just for our listeners, I'm going to show you how we have been uh, stockpiling all our cleaning products. Oh, man. Oh, nice. There There's all the cleaning products on top of the laundry carefully stockpiled we've just really upped the ante on a commitment to get this stuff onto youtube now because the listeners guys who have been happy with just the audio experience are now feeling very shortchanged. we better make sure that we get this stuff up as video because that was pretty awesome that there was a door there 30 or 40 people that see that 
the third year 40, we're all going to think, where did he get that stuff? Did he start stockpiling last summer before we even had a clue? I don't know what's going on. Anyway. Uh, yes, I did. I did comment to one of our household members about the surprising array of cleaning products we had. And she assured me that each one had a purpose. She said, you don't use glass cleaner for your carpets. For example. <laughs> Good point. Uh. As everyone who's listening or viewing knows, there's a real shortage of uh, disinfectant agents in stores right now because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I walked into Costco the other day in a vain search for white rice. But one thing I have noticed the last couple of times I've been into Costco is they're really pushing Lysol toilet bowl cleaner. And I was kind of wondering if people are purchasing that in large quantities because they just can't get a hold of, you know, disinfectant wipes and everything. Are people just spraying toilet bowl cleaner all over everything to disinfect it or what? Any, anybody hear anything about any of that? I don't know, but let me ask you two guys in your day to day. And I guess it's not day to day anymore, but when you do need to go out and shop and get supplies of various sorts, have you had problems getting what you need? Yeah. Can't find white rice. Yeah, there's a, there's okay. always um, always something bare, but Super Value is pretty quick at uh, getting it back on the shelves. But I noticed the last time I went, it's uh, in the can section, like in the soup aisle, uh, limit uh, six per customer of any anything in cans. Limit six per customer. There yeah. was, uh, I don't think there was any toilet paper at the time, but it, it comes and goes. There was, uh, yeah, yeah, things disappear i couldn't find there's no bleach to be dilly couldn't find bleach today either although we do we have some stuff here but i'm you know i'm not going out now that uh, i've got a runner for my stuff i'm gonna must be nice uh, yeah, build must be a nice. fortress and so i'm not crazy about i gotta probably look at the groceries that dylan just bought and just make sure i don't touch anything for the whatever time period is till uh, or else if i'm gonna use it i'll wash it so you're building the yes. fortress of dognitude out there. That's right. Out of boy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. I, I tried out. Many stores are implementing policies around giving seniors exclusive access to whatever the store has. Uh, I tried it at yeah. Superstore last Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And uh, my observations were the stock isn't improved. And there's a lot of very young and robust looking seniors mixed in there which led me to conclude that the job of being the guy at the door who politely tells people, right now, it's limited to people 60 years and over, that must be a crappy job, because a lot of people clearly ignored that guy. They, they just insisted that they got to get to work or whatever it is. I, I think it's a great oh. thought, but, uh, but I, wish that, uh, I wish that they were stalking the store and then letting seniors get in there first, and then letting everybody else clean it out in the next five minutes after eight o'clock. Yeah, we have uh, London Drugs has reduced their hours in our neighborhood and actually in many neighborhoods. And they actually have uh, special time periods for healthcare workers, which oh, I think nice. is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're shutting down the liquor stores on Sunday. All, all Sunday openings are done now. And oh. oh, really? Curbing the hours. I think it's just yep. to give people a day off, right? Yeah. Yeah, because they, I think there's a real chronic problem with people just not showing up. They're just, especially uh, guys in retail and stuff like that, they just mm. are deciding, you know what, 
15 bucks an hour is not worth it. I'm just not going to go. I don't care if they find, I don't care anything. I think there's uh, sort of a problem with that. And in the liquor stores too, they're putting up um, uh, uh, vinyl shields, uh, transparent big barriers between the customers in all the BC liquor stores. So I bet you that'll be going on on the Sunday being closed. They're going to try to get as many of the, of those things like full plate glass, plexiglass, right? Like about I think that's, six that's feet great. high, yeah, six feet wide. So what is it? What is it between? Is it between you and the cashier, or you and the yeah, stock, yeah. or what is it? You and the cashier, and and so you will probably they might say, okay, put it down, and then they'll approach it and do the little clicker on it, bloop bloop, you know, get yeah, the, yeah. the bars, and you they don't touch the product though. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. that going on, uh, yeah. as where you present your card and they scan it, or you present the product even and they scan it. So they don't have to touch a surface that you touched. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting the kind of ingenuity that's going into some of that stuff. Uh, well, the, the when I went to Safeway, which is now five or six days ago, uh, you had the lines where you had to stand six feet apart to start. And I said, uh, going in, I saw that the um, there's no more uh, personal bags. Don't use personal bags. They'll, they'll yeah. supply the bags for free. So I said to her as I'm approaching, I said, "If can I use my bags if, I, if you don't touch them? And she said, yes, but you can't put them on this counter. They had a cart yeah. at the end where you put your bag. But she did scan all the items and touch them. But after every, every time somebody went through, she wipes her gloves, she wipes the counter, right? Yeah. After every person that goes through. So they're, they're a little yeah. bit, yeah. It's a, That's great. Yeah. It's good to see. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. cool. I did see that thing about the bags, and I made a very witty remark to the cashier about, oh, good, finally, an upside. My, I forgot the bags again. Guilt is relieved because they won't take my bags. So now I don't have to feel bad about it anymore. Because I do. Every time I forget the stupid things. So I got them right by the door and I just forget them. I don't grab them. And oh, I'm that guy. Can I have a bag, please? You know, and it's stupid. Anyway, we, sh- we shop at Bilo, which is just a smaller neighborhood grocery. And I'm in the fortunate position of being able to go, oh, I'm just going to go out and grab a bag. <laughs> and I can get out to my car and back in before they finish ringing everything in. Yeah, I can't really? even remember to get them into my bag. All right. What else? Okay, so uh, well, for for us, I was just going to say for us, uh, we've only hit a few shortages where we wanted to get something, and I was just really surprised to see a run on bananas in our local store. Like, you know why? I was thinking about this this morning, and I tweeted out something about uh, just at this moment. I'm very relieved that there has not been a COVID-related run on doggy poop bags. Because just think how inconvenient it would be to walk your dogs and not be able to have a bag. Like, what would you be doing? You know, like... But I don't understand bananas because you'd have to freeze them, right? And I guess people... Maybe there's a lot of people who go, you know what? I like to make banana bread. And uh, I'll make a lifetime supply of banana bread here. And we're going to get... And freeze that. 15 different bunches. But like you were saying, KJ, they've since wised up and they're putting limits on pretty well anything that, that there's a run on. And... They, everyone is assuring us the supply chain is fine and there's no reason to believe it's not. I mean, those guys need to stay in business. So I just have no worries whatsoever. I agree. Yeah. You always find what you need. I'm, I'm only moderately concerned and it just has to do with panic levels. But RJ, I want you to share with our listeners that line of thought that you were sharing with me the other day about toilet paper and about the hoarding of it and the potential downstream impact to the toilet paper industry of that hoarding. I thought that was a really fun little bit of thinking there. Go ahead. 
Yeah, it's not just it's not just the toilet paper industry. It's anything that goes in um, hoarding mode, or you need a huge amount, and you're going to get a whole bunch. I guess masks would be similar, or any 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 like the um, disinfectant, yeah, cleaner stuff. Um, what happens is the people who make this stuff they can't really ramp up. It's just really hard. They would have to hire a bunch of new workers probably have to pay them a lot more that means their existing workers would also need a salary bump to be fair maybe buy equipment you know like it's hard to ramp up so you can only print so much toilet paper and so what happens is we get our shortages and as the crazies who think that they need a five-year supply of toilet paper suddenly realize uh i think i'm good now (laughs) and there's no new crazies because they come in waves then all of a sudden these plants have to shut down or they have to cut back because there's nobody buying toilet paper all of a sudden. The stock at the supermarket will be just completely full and nobody, very few people are touching it because, well, so many people hoarded that they, they no longer need it for the next several years. So it can be really, really tough on those kind of companies and the people that work in them. So that's another good reason to not go all panicky and hoard things. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't even considered it at all, but as soon as you told it to me, I thought, oh, that makes complete sense. They're just going to fall off a demand cliff at some point, and then what? You know, like, oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, because nobody's going to be buying it anymore. All the hoarders don't need to buy it for years. Yeah. Um, and if that if the hoarders consist of 25% of the population, that means for the next several years, there will be 25% fewer toilet paper rolls bought. Yeah, and all the other things. It's a really cool bit of thinking it's not, there. It's it, it's a wonderful piece of thinking that's not my own, but I'll I'll take credit for it. Sure, take credit for having the brains to at least pass it on. Because I ha- I just never occurred to me, and I thought, <laughs> oh, geez, you know, that's I like the because there's so much pressure to avoid economic damage, you know, like especially in the states as we all know, and that's a real good message for for everybody, like. That damage can occur as a result of hoarding just as much as it can as a result of the actual uh, pandemic. Like, could be a real heavy-duty echo of the illness itself. So, it's kind of great. That's a public service announcement from you. I count that as a public service announcement, RJ. Thanks, RJ. Do not hoard. Way to go. Now, that aside, boys, RJ, you've just expressed great confidence in your ability to secure any kind of goods or services that you actually need and i'm kind of more or less with you in that boat i so far i haven't noticed anything really except the the classics but how are we feeling in general about distancing isolating kj you've mentioned that you now have your own runner as wealthy actors it's always the same they get the first testing they get people to go do their stuff for them you're probably or getting them to order skip the dishes for you too how are we feeling boys mm isolated threatened how we feel well yeah i've I've been my uh, routine is to get up have a cup of coffee and i I watch my regular news stuff first i put on the vancouver sun have a little glance through that then i go to uh, huff post canada then i go to huff post united states and i'm sometimes it's not the right way to start your day i'm finding is that agreed jesus christies and then of course i like to watch um uh, the American news at night, and that's just another heaping helping of uh, dismalness, and it kind of makes you feel, well, it makes me feel um, 
almost useless. Like you kind of go, well, we, I guess we sit here and we do the best we can and we just see how it plays out. And But the trouble is, is that it's just getting awfuler and awfuler in most places around us. Touch wood, BC is on the right track and Canada is on the right track. But it, it's a little bit depressing, I have to say. Yep. RJ? Well, for me, uh, of course, I have an upbeat view of it. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing to note is that I'm already socially isolated in my whole life anyway. (laughs) So, so, you know. You should see me. (laughs) I mean, we were missing out on the shed sessions. That's a big deal for me. And and the fact that we can do this remote is awesome. Yeah, agreed. Um, Lately, I've had a few health problems that, I'm not supposed to be super, super active. So I'm not, you know, Sue and I went out for a nice walk yesterday and I know PJ that you've been out for quite a bit of exercise. And I think that's one of the things that's missed in the press quite often. You sometimes get these people that speak in shorthand. They say, people do not go out because it's just too hard to provide that nuance that people don't go out and get within six feet of other people stay two meters apart Actually, going out's a, probably a good thing for you. It can be quite healthy as long as you're being careful to stay two meters apart from other people, which, which I think social distancing is kind of a funny piece of jargon, but but we all kind of know what that means now. Yeah. So, yeah, it, unless you're on quarantine. If you're on quarantine, then don't go out because there's reasons to, to keep that uh, limited. But, uh, yeah, go out and get some activity. So, anyway, we've done that. I'm kind of upbeat because... I've done the math. I, I've looked at death rates per capita. Um, the death rate per capita in in Italy is still miles below the death rate per capita in Italy during their big flu seasons of three years in a row, 2014 to 2017. The numbers are like a factor of about 40. So uh, even in Italy, Italy, the worst hit place, they're about 140th of a bad flu season in terms of deaths. That's as as of March 20th, and I could see them continue, like they are starting to curve down a bit. We could see them continue to get up to maybe maybe the size of a flu pandemic or or their worst flu season. That's not to belittle the whole thing. Um, Coronavirus is far more devastating than the flu per per infected person. Yeah, I was going to ask you about whether, just to clarify, the rate, the death rate per infection or just the overall raw numbers. Yeah, I'm using raw numbers and there's yeah. a reason for that, but but uh but that said, yeah, absolutely we need to do this social distancing. We need to flatten that curve. Otherwise the healthcare system gets overwhelmed with the the number of cases, so we all we all get that. Uh but that said, in terms of your own mental state and where are we are we screwed? Yeah, th- things are going to get pretty bad in the US. Uh but still, even for the U.S., it'll probably hit the number of deaths of a normal flu season. So as long as we follow the the, the, tr- the trouble is, though, is that it, they're all coming at once and it overwhelms the system, right? Absolutely. Right. You're right. You're right. We do have to flatten the curve. And I'm getting to watch lots of TV. You know, we're uh, and uh, in fact, I wanted if you guys don't mind, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to make you choose if for your our recommendations for our listeners only two you can only select two they could be netflix yeah, any kind of a series that you can highly recommend to our listeners for binging i can go on that vikings and vikings uh, yeah on netflix 
And probably I would just stick with crash landing on you. For those of you who don't want to see people beheaded and disemboweled and torn to pieces by wild dogs like you'll see in Vikings, uh, you can go instead for the really sappy, romantic, soft music playing and endless, endless, endless long shots of people staring into each other's eyes. In K-drama, crash landing on you. That's my it's called theme. crash landing on you? That's and it is a K-drama? It, it sure is. It's a thousand percent K-drama. It's K-drama all day, every day. <laughs> and you don't want to really say anything about Vikings other than it's super violent? Like, what do you like about it? It's super violent. <laughs> That's what you like about it. <laughs> all right. No, KJ, what do you got? <laughs> I got I got nothing. I just actually signed up for um, Crave because I saw that it was free until the end of April. But I think it's you always get your first month free anyway, right? But then, of course, I realized I don't have Crave on any of the TVs. I can get it on my computer, <laughs> but you know you have to sign up with the Telus package to include Crave, which is its own separate site. It's a whole different package that you know bumps you up to $75 extra a month or something. So anyway, oh, I'll tr- I might try that on so my did iMac. You, KJ, did you get Crave plus HBO or is it strictly Crave without the HBO stuff? Yes, Crave on its own. Okay. Crave.ca okay. and I'm not even sure why. It's because I'm getting bored with Netflix and I don't have anything to recommend. All I do, all I do is watch Korean stuff. I I I look around. Somebody suggested if you liked Parasite that on Netflix, there's a move, a Korean movie, 2018, and I think it's called Burning or something like that. And they, somebody re- said that that is as, if, if you like Parasite, you'll like this just as much. It's a kind of a thriller or something or other. Anyway, there's that uh, I'm, I can throw out there. But other than that, no, I'm in the search myself for the ultimate binge. Okay. Well, I'll just give one recommendation. Uh, First, I'll give a genre recommendation. In general, if you haven't experimented with British police shows or British dramas, uh, they can be just amazing, like high quality and small number of episodes. So you're not like making a 13 episode investment. Some of them are as small as only three episodes. Sue's watching one like that right now. Um, So I'll just recommend one out of that genre that I've just started. So I've only seen one episode so far, but Broad Church. I've heard of that. B-R- yeah, B-R-O-A-D-C-H-U-R-C-H. Broad Church starts out with a... Uh, it's a beautiful coastal town in the UK somewhere with a great big cliff down to the ocean beach. And somebody apparently is pushed or jumps off it. That's the beginning. And we have our mystery. Uh, a couple of great actors that you've probably seen before. I think it's Olivia, somebody, British actress. Sorry. <laughs> Can't recall. I'm going to cheat now and just call it up. Uh, I'll just, while you're doing that, I'll just interject. There's a whole raft of those kind of detective-y things from Scandinavian countries that I also enjoy very well. Yeah. It, it's a slightly different flavor in terms of the tone. But it's the same kind of thing. They're short series. They're kind of quirky. The characters are not what you would expect, really. And the situations, because they're in foreign countries and cultures, it's just fun to see the factors that go into solving and motivating the crimes. It's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's Olivia Coleman. That was the name I was grasping for. Never heard uh, of great. her. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, yeah. You'd like, recognize I, her, I, though, right? Yeah, I th- yeah you would. And I think I've heard of her only because I've watched several of these British series. 
And David Tennant is another guy. If you told me David Tennant, I'd go, I don't know. But when you see his face, you go, oh, okay, oh, I've yeah. seen that guy. Yeah. He's a known guy. He's a big heartthrob guy, isn't he? I think he is. I think he's a sort of a international heartthrob guy. Yeah, I, but anyway, fun series <laughs> to watch. We, we just leave that. We leave David Tennant's heartthrob <laughs> capacities alone. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, in Broadchurch, he doesn't seem like a heartthrob type, but so I, I just oh, don't recall the, him. So. It's the whole appeal, RJ. It's, it's, that's, oh my God. Can't believe you don't know that. Anyway, I'm just teasing you. That's good. That's good. I I think those are important for us. Well, to I'd certainly su- suggest sex education too, if people have, but I think we've already talked about that, right? Oh, we, we, we have. Yeah. We beat sex education to death, I think. Good for Un- us. Unfortunately, we're going to have to beat it some more. KJ, have you watched season one? <laughs> yes, but all of it. Oh, and season two as well? Yes. Oh, great. Because the last time we talked about it, I think you hadn't seen it yet, maybe? Well, I'd start, maybe I'd started. I was quite excited about it, but yeah, brilliant. I, I Isn't haven't, that fun? I, yeah. yeah, I haven't, and it's on my list for sure, because you guys um, both, that's two of you now, very fun. So yeah, I got to watch that. So KJ, final episode of season two? Yeah. Makes it all worthwhile, eh? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, all right. It, uh, uh, I don't think I realized it was the end, or maybe I was hoping for a season three or something. I didn't. I really didn't want it to end. I think isn't there going to be a season three? I sure I, hope. I so. think so. But the kid, the kid's gonna, the kid's pretty young. He's going to grow up a little bit too far, isn't he? Oh, if they, yeah, if they leave. Well, it's kind of like Harry Potter was like that, wasn't it? Yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, it, it's, it's great. They'll adjust somehow. I'm sure. It's yeah. typically a very good sign when you don't want it to end. <clears throat> I want to just ask if you don't want it to end because there was a bunch of plot elements unresolved or just because it was so enjoyable. You weren't dissatisfied with the plot resolutions. No. Just enjoyed the whole thing so much. Well. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I think yeah. they, they, they tie things up uh, fairly well. It's just like, everything's so interesting. The, the writing, the yeah. characters, it, the acting, it's all incredible. That's about as good as a review can get where you're just sorry it's over even though you have no complaint at all about the way it ended. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah. And that's Netflix, is it not? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. It's net- yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there's listeners. There's our uh, current recommendations for you. And uh, yeah, I think all of us are probably taking in a little bit more uh, of that than usual. My Twitter experience has gone up. Uh, and as we were talking about earlier, probably to my detriment, although not universally to my detriment. I've, I'm getting better at just not reading some stuff, but... I do run across information that I'm better off without. Usually it's political, and so I'm trying to screen that more. But these kind of recommendations, pure entertainment, pure pleasure, can't go wrong. Just can't go wrong. What else have we got here, right. uh, PJ, I believe that you have a, a brilliant money-making plan around uh, automobile manufacturing. Oh, I sure do. I sure do. Glad you reminded me about we, that. What? We need some theme music for your uh, your money-making plans because they, my, they come my, along about every two episodes or so. My idiotic. Well, this one was basically, as, uh, as everyone is fully 100% aware because they're involved in every detail of my life, I spent a lot of time at a car dealership in the last year and a half. And one of the things I've learned is that having a new car is an expensive proposition. Aside from purchase and in spite of warranty, new cars cost a lot. Because stuff has to get fixed and they're complicated. The drive that I perceive in manufacturing strategy now is to make your car less and less and less available for repair by the do-it-yourself repair guy. 
there's very, very few things in cars these days that you don't have to go get somebody to fix. And the consequence of trying it yourself uh, is potentially from bad to disastrous. Like if you screw up some of those sensors, you can do it bad enough your car just won't start. It'll just ignore every request you make of it to please, could you take me to the grocery store to get the last bag of white rice? So my thought was, if it's true that automobile manufacturers have universally adopted a strategy of making their profit on after-sale maintenance, which I believe they have starting with Toyota in the 80s, then I think it's time to go back to the original Volkswagen people's car concept only... The original concept was this car is going to be cheap to buy, easy to maintain, very reliable, economic to run, like won't burn much gas. I would think it's time to go back to that concept, except charge an exorbitant amount for the car up front. Take all the profit or most of the profit that you were hoping to experience in maintenance and apply it to the purchase price of the car and then sell it to people. Make the car dead simple. Of course, it has to be legal from a safety and emissions standard. But make it really, really simple and sell it on the basis of pay me now or pay me later. <laughs> so you've got control, right? So you buy the car, you paid a lot, but you know that what you really paid for is not having to go back to the damn dealer five times a year and fork out several hundred dollars every time in spite of the fact that you're going there for either maintenance or recall work. So there you go. And and this is because the, the car is simple enough uh, originally that it doesn't need the maintenance or the maintenance is free after this exorbitant purchasing price? It is because the car is simple enough for those who are interested to do the maintenance themselves. And because uh, that maintenance is simple, it means that you can also bring it to your uh, neighborhood mechanic and they can repair it quickly and easily. In other words, much less expensive to do maintenance on. Oh, right. Just, not reverse, just, just go back to the old model that said... We want cars that are reliable, cheap, easy to run. They used to go for cheap to sell, and I'm saying you could bump up the sale price quite a bit if you promised people a far reduced maintenance and ownership cost. Normally for these brilliant gems of surefire money-making preciousness, I go for a 10% after development return. For this idea, because I understand that developing a whole new car requires an awful lot of capital and entails significant risk, only 5%. So those of you who take this idea and develop the next people's car and make zillions of dollars, 5%, that's all I'm going to come to you for. I think it's a steal. I think it's very reasonable. I believe so too. Well done, Skin. So yeah, so uh, I I like the idea. I I think maybe for my preference would be that it would be an electronic electric vehicle. Well, yeah, that's probably what it actually will be. Uh, not yeah. because I thought of it, because that's where we're going. And I think electric vehicles have that property. They are expensive yeah, I up think front s- and cheap to maintain. That's right. It would have to be a special kind of electric vehicle, because like Teslas and whatnot have a huge amount of computerization in them. Yeah. Um, so maybe it would be more like a Volkswagen thing, where it's up to you to figure out how many... Well, you'll, I guess it would have an estimate of the number of kilometers or miles remaining, but... But it's going to not have a whole bunch of self-driving features. No, it's not going to have any of that kind of It's not going to have an automatic, the doors open as you walk up. Lane assist crap. No remote starters. 
Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And and maybe the price would not be quite as high as you thought, because maybe a lot of that computerized stuff actually bumps the price up. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I mean, I would defend a gas-powered choice based on current <clears throat> gas prices, also based on a lack of infrastructure for electronic cars right now, or electric cars. Like, I, I actually rent a garden suite. Garden suite, not a basement suite. Gardens. Nice. Ah, mm. ah, transition city. Um, <laughs> and I park in the street, which makes charging problematic for an electric car. I really can't own an electric car in this situation. So for a guy like me, a cheapo gas-powered car would be awesome. You know, another flaw in this whole proposition is the idea that you can just take it to Bob around the corner and he'll fix it, and it won't cost you so much. Mm, I think that's a bit iffy, like... Of course, I thought this all up from my own perspective. I could and would do most of the work myself. But for lots of people, that's just a non-starter. There's a lot of people who are not going to touch anything on their car. So this thing better be reliable. Anyway, that was what that one was. 5%? You're sticking to it? 5%. 5%. And I'll cap it at $500 million. Once, once I've received $500 million as my 5%, I'll stop taking anymore. That's it. That's enough. I've just noticed this on the list, and I'm dying to have it. It's COVID-related, but I saw it, and for our demographic, it should work. It was a bit of COVID humor, and it had no explanation, no anything, this tweet. It just came out, and I don't know how many of you are very familiar with um, the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack. No? Mm-hmm. There's a song on there called Gaston. Mm-hmm. No one fights like Gaston. You know it. And is, somebody, before, before you do this, is Gaston one of the like the candlestick or one of those? No, guys? no. Gaston no, no. is the local uh, Buff Studley guy. He's really he's a hunter. He's a real redneck. He's an army guy, and he thinks all the women love him, and he's the best thing ever. He's that and he's guy. an antagonist. He's the bad guy, right? Yes, on the bad guy team <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Or an antagonist. Okay, go ahead, Skin. Sorry. Well, somebody posted just randomly, and they, they did it this way, too, and it goes, No one cleans like Gaston, quarantines like Gaston, no one stopped spreading COVID-19 like Gaston. And that was it. <laughs> you just sort of think, what was that? About? It just made me laugh out loud because it was apropos of nothing. In the middle of a long bunch of whatever's on Twitter, there was that thing, and I just thought, made me laugh just somebody making up COVID-related lyrics for a Disney song and posting that. Uh, so I got one from here about uh, two weeks ago, maybe a week and a half. I had about a 10-minute time when I was doing some dry coughing for whatever yeah. reason. So I'm going, okay, okay, looking at my list of COVID-19, uh, I better check for a fever. Right. So it's been so long since I've used a thermometer, I had to go find it and I got two thermometers like one of them is the electronic style which i would call modern except for it's the style that we used when the kids were born back in the 90s right uh and and one of them was uh, mercury so uh um i i did the electronic one i had to end up getting the instructions because i didn't remember that it has to beep three times before it's finished yeah and then in the meantime i tried uh we actually have an old mercury thermometer Remember those? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, vaguely. I mean, this is what tells me it's mercury, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I Googled it, and basically, you know, you have to ha- hold them horizontally, 
usually, and then you turn them slowly until suddenly yeah. you can see that band of mercury. Yeah. And what I've read is that if the band is red in color, then no, it's not mercury. That's iodine. It, yeah, iodine. And if the band is uh, silver in color, then yes, you have a mercury thermometer. So this one is silver in color. And it turns out that I had a temperature well above the level of dying, you know, like, so it was 50 degrees Celsius. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so I'm going, okay, well, this is not good. Right. And then, so I do the other one and this time I do it properly to the three beeps. And for reasons that are kind of boring to relate, I did it in Fahrenheit. And so guess what my temperature was in Fahrenheit. On, on the digital one? On the digital one. 98.6. 98.6, precisely, which I thought was just amazing because we all, as we grew up, we were on the Fahrenheit system and now everybody kind of knew 98.6, whereas I've never been able to memorize the Celsius number, but uh, 98.6, precisely. So I went back. What is Celsius? It's like 35, 36 or something? No, it's yeah, 36, I, 36, 7, I think. Okay. Yeah. So anyway... I went back to the mercury one and it was still at 40. Like it's stuck. Like this mercury one's probably like 40 or 50 years old and it's done. Did you so, give, did they give you get the mercury one the shake? You do, you know how the doctors used to shake it? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Oh my God. I've, I've kept it. Uh, and I'll tell you why I've kept it, but uh, yes, I'm going to go out now. I'm going to grab it again and I'm going to do it a shake and maybe that will fix it. Yeah. But in the meantime, I thought, well, uh, I got to dispose of it. Now, this is mercury. You don't just throw it in the garbage. Those days are gone, right? So um, we go down to our local recycling depot in Burnaby. It's called the Eco Center. There's only one in all of Burnaby. We show up there, and there it is. Uh, he says, huh, mercury thermometer? You can't leave it here. Call the... Call the eco hotline <laughs> going, really? I came down here because I thought you'd know for surely you would know. Right. But actually there are very few mercury thermometers left anymore. That's a, it's a definitely an anachronism. So I call the Burnaby hotline. They go, yeah, yeah, we don't take them anywhere in Burnaby. Um, but you could try, uh, and they gave me the, a business name down in Richmond. So I call that business and they go, oh yeah, yeah, we can take them. Um, yeah, and these are our hours. You bring it down, and uh, the fee is fifty dollars. So, so, fifty bucks. Yeah. So, to th in order to throw out our thermometer, it's fifty bucks. And they said, uh, "Well, you know, Langley has a once every year. Langley has a no charge. Just bring whatever you got. Just the most awful, repugnant, toxic stuff. Bring it down. No charge." So she, she said, "You could wait for one of those, but." Now that KJ has told me that I can shake the thermometer, I'm quite encouraged. Now, I think we can keep this baby going for another couple decades. Well, and well, if not, uh, as well. it's, it's, it's a collector's item now, right? Put it on it's eBay. <laughs> <laughs> for 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's, geez, you know, you think about the number of houses that have those round thermostats for the thermos, and they have a mercury switch in them. And the amount of mercury in those switches is far in excess of whatever's in a thermometer. Yeah. In that thermometer, the volume of mercury in there is about like a tenth of a gram or something. Those switches on those household thermometers, it's like a teaspoon, half a teaspoon full of mercury in those. And things. you can bet that most of them just went into the garbage when people were remodeling, right? Yes. Or yeah, when people... Like when how many of those got carefully... 
Yeah. When they're tearing down a house, uh, I'm sure that the regulations now require them to go in and um, retrieve all that kind of stuff. But you know that nobody does that. Yeah. Nobody's policing it. Nobody anything, you know. Anyway, I'm going to, we're going to follow, we're following the rules here in the RJ household. Attaboy. Attaboy. I'm with Moby though. I would, I would regard it as a collector's item. There's just no way on earth I would pay 50 bucks for somebody who's probably like, you get to ask yourself questions about what is the processing that that company in Richmond goes through to safely dispose of that mercury that justifies a 50 damn dollar fee. Like they just throw it in a big bin and it gets shipped to somewhere. Again, this This, is my latent negativity bubbling to the surface again. Yes, yes. I think I think we did do a follow up on the the plastic recycling, and we did find that they put in a good effort. And I would expect that they do with mercury as well. This is me taking deep cleansing breaths to relieve myself of the need to try to defend my plastics, my negative plastic stance. I'm going for relentlessly positive. I think I've covered that. I'm trying to radiate love. Right on, skinny. When I, I think they they break the little thermometer and they pour it into their little vat of mercury that they're saving for whatever they make. Right? They must use yep. it, and I don't think they're sending it anywhere. If it, they said there's a business in Richmond that deals with that, but I who knows? Right. Who knows? I think you're right because mercury liquid is probably pretty well 100 percent. Pure. Yeah, and they and, must yeah. still use it for something. Well, for lots of things, yeah. I don't know. Fifty seems really. Fifty seems like. Actually, we would strongly prefer you not bring your stupid thermometer to us. <laughs> you know, like that's what it seems like. Well, I'm surprised they didn't say it's twenty dollars, and then when I get there, they go, "Oh, it's the thirty dollar um, facility fee." Yeah, some, <laughs> yeah. Lots more. Like now, you're starting to get it, RJ. You're catching on. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, speaking of Ticketmaster, the uh, the ticket agencies must be taking a real hard hit right now, huh? I hope so. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they probably are. I have received five concert cancellations since this whole thing started, and, and uh, we have a few more out in the future. And the first one came with, um, yeah, sorry that your show is canceled and expect a refund shortly. And the next, the next three were, sorry, your show is canceled and we're, uh, look for more news on the rescheduling because you know, there's some money flows around and it isn't that Ticketmaster sits on everything. I think there's money that shifts hands all the time. And then suddenly they all say, go back to your point of purchase for your refund. So you got to go back to Ticketmaster now. And then Ticketmaster's going, Hey, you guys got the funds? And uh, the guys, the promoters are going, uh, let me get back to you. I'm going to call the, uh, the artist. And we, you want to pause for a sec? Yeah, just hang on just a sec. Thanks, hon. That's lovely. I don't know what I'll do with it at this instant, but thank you. Wow. Can you guys see this? You're spoiled skin. You got runners too, I see. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. This was what? This was the dish that was being prepared. Oh, background and oh my God and Himmel. I'm just going to have one little bite and then I'll stop. Oh my God. Once you, yeah. yeah, Now that's pretty good. Okay. Well, I'll be editing that out. (laughs) (laughs) New Jersey detective. Skinny, put a cover on it, will (laughs) you? Oh man. Wrap that. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Uh, It's time for us. It's good for you. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Sorry, RJ. Interrupted you there. I uh, can't remember where we were, actually. 
Uh, you were talking uh, about Ticketmaster. You are talking about that whole oh, supply right. chain so, business within the ticket industry. So, so like the next three. Who's next, holding yes. which money? Yeah. So they're, yeah. Who's holding the money? So anyway, I finally sent three emails to TicketWeb. Uh, they were the ones that gave me the next three saying, oh, oh, please refund this. You know, because quite honestly, I understand actually there are lots of people being caught in this, but we're being caught in it as well. So I'm not shy to ask for my money back. Um, another... Another one was a local folk society. I was going to see some Irish folk music. Speaking of talking about that earlier. Some of that inauthentic music, you mean? Uh, yeah. Stop it, yeah. skinny. It's all in- inauthentic, <laughs> uh, except for the Cro-Magnons. <laughs> I, just, I just really want listener mail on that. But anyways. But anyway, uh, amazing band called Altan, A-L-T-A-N, uh, played at the Bill Clinton White House. Um, they're a lot like you, the first time you hear it, you go, I've heard this before. It's Irish folk music. It's the classic stuff. Lots of fiddles, beautiful voices. Like anyway, I was so looking forward to that. They sent me a nice note saying, Hmm, here's four options. Cause we're struggling. Like this is, yeah. and oh, this yeah. is, it's probably a nonprofit. And it's like, um, can you just keep it on account and in the future you can use it? Or can you donate it? Because we really are having problems staying afloat. So uh, I feel bad. I mean, that's just one microcosm. It's everywhere. Of all the businesses. And it's us too. It's it's the individuals. We're, we're thinking about our future now. Like, uh, you know, how is it going to go for the last... Rest, rest of our lives. You know, is the stock market going to get back up to where it was before? And I, th- I actually think it will, but how long will that take? Yeah. And what, what spends will we need to make at a terrible loss in the meantime? I had a, a similar sort of note from the Cascade Bicycle Club. I joined or became affiliated with them in 2009 and they continue to email me with all their stuff. But this one was we're getting ready to go under because we had to cancel all the rides we normally do. And that's where the revenue to keep this whole thing coming from. Help us, help us. I had a similar thing from Peak Tours. Shout out to Peak Tours in England. They were our Portugal trip in the fall. And they said, you know, don't worry, we're hanging on. We've got your deposit. We'll give it back to you. Or you can schedule again for next year. But you start thinking about how many people must have already canceled. And I mean, honestly... That thing's scheduled for October. Riding a bike in Portugal might be a thing in October, but securing flights and other accommodations in advance of that, like now, there's just no way on earth I'd be booking a flight to anywhere right now. And I expect it'll be probably July or August before I would even consider it. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm loath to book flights very close to a departure date. I just don't like doing it. All of that, the same thing. You book a flight, then it has three legs, and you cancel who has to talk to whom about retrieving what money to be returned to? Like, I just can't even imagine the complexity of backing all that crap out and at the volumes they must be backing it to. Why is it, uh, why is it that you don't, are you saying in the context of COVID-19, you don't like booking just before a flight? Yeah, just generally anything. I've, I've long habit has made me believe that tickets are generally, unless you buy them the day of, you know, those kind of high risk tickets. Yes. They're more expensive as you get closer to the date. And then, yeah, in this climate of uncertainty, I just think, I just don't know what is a really safe bet in terms of booking a flight. I don't even know who's going to still be in business in August. 
Yeah. Uh, in spite of the billions and billions that everybody's talking about funding those guys. Well, I got a gig in uh, uh, August, starts late August, and I got an email a week ago that said, Hi, Kevin, as far as we know, this is still going to go forward. Like, they just canceled um, Theatre Under the Stars for the summer. They'll, I wouldn't be surprised if they canceled Bard, which is big, big. You know, it's like millions. It's four million or something. Um but I'm I'm really wondering if you can actually get a show up mid September. What are the where are the audiences going to be? Are the audiences going to come back? Is anybody you know if if everything sort of dies down by the end of June, say mid July, are people going to actually go to big stadiums and theaters and stuff? Or they, I think it's going to be a, a really slow uh, b- build back. Well. If I was channeling RJ at this moment, which, believe me, that's difficult, but if I was, I'd suggest that pent-up demand should mean just a surge of attention to public events, you know, a surge of desire to go to a big thing like that. Yeah, I think there's going to be some hesitation, but if health officials like the ones we have in Canada that, that retain credibility, at least so far announce one day that it is now safe to go to large public events, I think there'll be a lot of pent-up demand and bigger-than-usual audiences, if anything. Those two factors will kind of tug at each other, won't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good point. Moby, is Aliart yours? Oh, yeah, and that that was the one I wanted to start the next time you guys came over, but then you didn't come over because I've had uh, the um, shed doors out in the alley painted. Oh. oh, by volunteers. Yeah, the kids in the basement. They, we had kids in the basement for two months. They came from Hamilton, and they said they got here, uh, I think, the day before the first snowfall. <laughs> but they said they were coming to uh, paint murals in Vancouver. And I thought, oh, interesting time of year to be doing that. So then they really liked Lucy's place so much they wanted to stay, but they'd already booked another Airbnb, so they had to leave. But because they liked it so much and they wanted to do something, they said, would you like a mural painted on your shed in the alley? And I, that's what I thought. So uh, I said, sure. And he's, there's actually a website. They're called, um, oh, I can't think of it right now. It'll come to me. But uh, they have a website and they have some of their designs. And they, he sent me in a text he sent me four and he said pick one of these and i we picked one or lucy and susan basically picked it and they came out here they they i bought them beer and i bought the paint which came to about 100 bucks and it's all spray can right it's and the colors aren't very east van but it's certainly a statement Sorry, this is on your garage door out in the alley. Yeah, and I can I have a I can certainly send a picture if we want to get it out. Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. you guys aren't going to be here for the next two months anyway, so so maybe that's what we should do. Oh, but yeah, do the picture for the website, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so but they were really they were cool, and and there's another girl in town, another girl from Hamilton who's a graffiti or a muralist, and she apparently. Um, um, is the the flower person or the detail person maybe is what she is and she, I, it almost sounded like they the two guys were out there painting away and she happened up the alley but that doesn't make sense they must have got in contact with her and and she stopped and she played with them for about an hour and I, it took them I don't know how long it took them four or five hours they had a great time it was a beautiful day Mimi 
the little Chinese lady who sort of takes care of the neighborhood. She's she's very yeah. busy, um, uh, always asking about where's Dylan, where's where's your son, and uh, she she said. So she was there, and so I'm trying to grill her, and I, I said, Mimi, let's, I want to take a picture of you in front of, no, 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 no picture for me. And she was just, she was just really fun about the whole thing, but she also intrigued, right? Like, what's going on here? Like, and, yeah. and I think the kids are kind of hoping, they don't, you can't commit, it's hard to get, Vancouver's a hard place to paint murals. You got to get, there's so much uh, city bullshit that you have to do for permits and shit. But I think they wanted to sort of start a, a guerrilla kind of thing where if somebody in the alley thought, oh, well, my shed yeah. is falling apart, maybe they should just come up the alley and put one on mine. I think that's what the kids were hoping for. Anyway, it was a, a kind of a cool experience. I can't it wait is. to see those. Uh, uh, yeah. Clear Eyes Collective dot com, maybe Clear Eyes Collective. Okay. <clears throat> I fully and, did not see that coming. I just thought you were going to give us a bitter report about how you got graffitied. Because that's where my head is at. Did a report. So. Well, that's the, so that's really cool. And when they said that, when they said they wanted to paint a mural, I said, uh, "Well, I'm I'm sort of, sort of thinking that it's it's like a an invitation to graffiti." And they said, "No, it's actually uh, the opposite. People don't tend yeah. to if the space is already done. People don't tend to put little tags on it and stuff. Not that there's any there's a bit of that going on, but it's sort of it hasn't happened in our alley for a long time. Anyway." I'm, yeah. I'm I'm having a look at it right now. It it is just what you said, cleareyescollective.com. And it's awesome. And they got the people up close. It might be the same three people that did yours. Uh yeah, uh Josh and Adam were the guys' names. I don't know if they have names on there, but Yeah, really good. And there's a woman in there as well. So uh maybe she's the detail person. Yeah, the detail woman. But I'll yeah. I'll make sure I send that to to you guys the pics. Fantastic. And I'm looking at all mine, PJ, and, you know, like one of them's about last draft horse, which is a Ken Lum statue. And I know how much you like, you like Ken Lum. So I thought that was good to talk about. And in fact, I guess, can can I just cover that quickly? Sure. And the reason I want to cover it is that people can go and see it because, you know, as part of, you know, you could go out for a drive and have a look at it. But anyway, so Ken Lum is the Vancouver-based artist who we have talked about several times, who does uh, interesting public art, probably best known at this point for the East Van Cross. It, that, I think that, so, probably. To say. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the city of Burnaby was looking, commissioned him to put a piece of art at the corner of Edmonds and Kingsway. So if you're driving down Kingsway towards New Westminster, as you cross Edmonds, there's a little... Uh, scissor shaped piece of land there. there's a new building and there's a horse great big horse sitting down he's called the last draft horse he's bronze kind of looking bronze like bronze i don't know what the real metal is and uh he's done he's the last draft horse in burnaby he you know he used to pull the logs from the logged out areas in burnaby and the city is modernized so he's finished and it's a great little statue. So we, Sue and I actually went to the opening just for fun. And so there we were, and we don't usually go to these things. And Burnaby's kind of quaint in that, you know, we're, I guess we're a bit of a city, but at the same time, it's quaint in that the mayor's there and anybody who wants to can walk up and chat with him. And he's a nice guy. He's that ex-fireman that beat out the old uh, incumbent Corrigan, uh, Mayor Mike Hurley. 
very nice guy, very effective administrator, actually, and he gives a few words. This is very, really fun to watch. Ken Lum, however, didn't show up, so. Ken, Ken, Ken. Well, he, Ken. Got, he already had the money. Like, his <laughs> contract right. didn't include public appearances, so forget yeah. that. Yeah. But it was uh, kind I've, of fun. I've seen pictures of the horse, and I, I it makes me feel a bit sad. Like, I'm hoping that that, the intent is the horse is just tired and now can relax, but it looks to me like it's collapsing. I always think, oh, it's collapsing. Oh, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, uh, I, I have seen it. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I, I, the way I see it is he's just hauled a horse and he is old. Hauled, um, a log, yeah. hauled a log. And so they've disconnected him from the log now. And by the way, the log is there too. That's part of the oh. sculpture. And oh, the, log, okay. that would the, help. the log is like a half block away. And so it's like the horse continued on for another half block and he's going, I'm done. And he sits down. It's up to you if you want to believe that he's so done that he's going to die. I, I, I see it as he's tired out and he's just sitting down and taking a break. And uh, presumably he's going to have the, the last couple years of his life in a pasture. Yeah. Okay. I think go with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> really like uh, at this age and station, I don't need to be thinking the other way. So yeah, let's go with that. And I'll do my pitch, uh, my half-hearted pitch for the Museum of Vancouver at some time in the future when people can actually go to the Museum of Vancouver. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll half-heartedly look forward to that. And I got, where is that, RJ? Uh, oh, where is the Museum of Vancouver? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, who knew that there was even such a thing, right? I know. Uh, but somewhere when we were not looking, the old... What do you call a place where you can look up in the sky, an observatory? Yeah. Yeah. What was the name that's of the Vancouver one? What's it called? The Bl- oh. uh, Bloedel? Vanny oh, that's Park? a conservatory. Oh. No, that's... I think it is the Bl- Bloedel Observatory, I think. I'm not is sure. it at Vanier Park? Is it near yes. Barnard Bridge? Yes. And that is it. Yeah. Anyway, it's got a giant um, sculpture of a crab in front of yeah, it. Yeah, at the planetarium. Yeah, the planetarium. That's it. The planetarium is no more. I don't know. It was when nobody was looking. It became the Museum of Vancouver. Oh, I didn't know that either. And so um, we're going, oh, let's go to the Museum of Vancouver. And we almost headed down and Sue happened to see a Groupon. So we got to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Vancouver's most famous museum uh, would be... Anthropology. The, the, the Museum of Anthropology. Um, that is a high-end, world-class, as they say, museum. The Museum of Vancouver is definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really? But we enjoyed it, and we were glad we did the Groupon, though. <laughs> like, we're, we're thinking, okay, because the re- regular tickets were probably like $15 a head, maybe more, maybe $23 a head or something. And so we got two for the price of one, oh, I think. And then um, it was pretty, uh, pretty and then low it, rent. Uh, it was nice. I'm glad we went. And since since I'm already halfway through the segment, I'll finish it off. They do have um, the uh, neon art of Vancouver is one of the displays. So you get to see uh, some old signs that you go, oh, I know oh. that one. Like it's the oh. apostolic Jesus faith or something, you know, like yeah. Jesus in big letters. Yeah. Um, here, I've got a few in the screen in front of me. We've got the Smiling Buddha. Yeah. 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 That place. Yeah. So that one's there. We've got the uh, Apostolic Faith Jesus sign. We've got Regent Taylor's. Um, we've got an ICBC related sign, maybe, or probably from before ICBC. It's a couple of cars crashing. 
Uh, oh, and it's kind of animated. Collision repair. Yes. Uh, anyway, that's pretty fun to go through. There's some old displays. Um, and then another one, we've talked in the past on this podcast about the plans for freeways in Vancouver. Right. Yeah. Well, they have a good whole room dedicated to that. So it's really interesting. You can see uh, maps showing exactly where the freeways are going. You can see the activists that help prevent it from happening. You can see there was going to be a freeway all the way down Main Street. Yeah. There's going to be the third crossing, which is the biggest bridge ever. It could be a way huge bridge compared to the uh, first and second narrows. Anyway, so it's all all uh, fun to watch. If you get the group on, I'd recommend it. And I'm sorry because nobody can go see it right now anyway. Yeah, well, that's by the time we get to air. No, we're going to get to air fast, fast. Right. Maybe. Just a reminder to our listeners, this is the second of two sessions that we're doing on March 26th. The first one we are hoping will come out quickly after March 26th. And, and we'll see what we do with this one, whether we defer it or, uh, or publish it fairly quickly as well. Yeah, going to do it. So is that it, boys? Is that us? Are we cooked? Are we done? Stick a fork in? I think we are done. Are we done? Yes. Second call. Second call. Going once. Going twice. We are done. Thank you, boys. That is it for us for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this. We're dying to hear what you think of our fabulous new tech setup. All remote, all, you know, COVID-19 sensitive. We're hoping it works. We're always dying to hear from you, really. COVID-19 for us has just turned into an excuse to ask you to be in touch with us. That's it. The whole pandemic, that's how it's serving us. Um, But we hope you're taking care of each other. We hope you're managing to find some fun. Uh, You know, I know there's us, but that's only an hour. And you can probably only listen to each podcast six or seven times before you're finally tired of us. Uh, So hopefully you're finding other forms of entertainment. You're keeping yourself safe. You're keeping yourself happy. We're hoping to speak to you again soon. Take care of each other. I'm PJ saying goodnight, and I think the other boys will too. See you, bye from the shed. Goodnight. That was KJ and RJ in order there. If you happen to see a video, it's just happy times for everybody. In any case, take care of yourself. We'll see you soon. What? I didn't wear my hat. God <laughs> damn it. None of us wore our hats. None of us wore our hats. The first Mine's in my oh, car where I man. think that I'm going to the shed. Oh, okay. I have it there. I can't forget it. How, Next session. Let's how could we forget? Next yeah, session. okay. Okay, I'm, nice hitting, voice. I'm hitting stop recording now. See ya. Okay, I'm going to do the same. And then on Sound Studio and GarageBand.